Welcome to episode 14 of Booty and Bossy Eat, Drink, Knit. Today we're going to talk about a bossy original cocktail. Mm. So excited for this. It's summer. This one is called the Ginger Lime Cocktail. Super refreshing. You'll love it. I should say, since we're in the middle of our adolescence in the age of our podcast, so you need a good drink to get through adolescence. I mean, so this was a cocktail that I came up with a couple of years ago, and I forget why, other than just needing a cocktail and loving the flavors of ginger and lime and mint. I have a lot of mint around my garden. It's in my, it's in my garden larder. So basically the ingredients are, and you do have to do a tiny bit of planning ahead, but you make a simple syrup, equal parts sugar. I usually, I kind of make a big batch of this, two cups of sugar, two cups of water, And then I chop up or grate about maybe like a two-inch piece of ginger, maybe about a quarter of a cup. You don't need to peel it because you're going to strain it. So I chop that up or grate it. And then a generous handful of fresh mint. And then I squeeze two limes, the juice of two limes. And then I throw the limes in. You put it all in a saucepan so the water and the sugar with the ginger root and the mint and the lime, and you bring it to a boil for about 10 minutes, and then let it cook for another five minutes to sort of get all those nice flavors Mm -hmm. together. Then off the heat and strain it, and then you do do want it to cool down. Otherwise, it will (laughs) melt your spherical ice... I want to say cubes, but if they're spheres, they're not cubes. Yeah. Oops. Learn as we go. Learn as we go. Your your round ice globes, your ice, your magical ice spiracles. I don't, what do you call them? They're magical ice globes that predict your future will Mm. be a delicious cocktail. That is, that is so true. Yes. Magical ice globes. So after you make the syrup, and I usually make kind of a big batch, you put it in a jar and keep it in the fridge. It doesn't go bad. In fact, recently I made a cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) True confessions. (laughs) With syrup that I believe was from sometime in August. but (laughs) Not quite a year old. Not quite. Yeah, it wasn't a year old. (laughs) I got to say, I added more ginger i think than that maybe so i had frozen my ginger the whole root basically and yep. so it was too big to really chop up and i didn't want to wait for it to thaw so i just microwaved it for about 30 seconds and that seemed to work fine i added i think four limes and i think we need to talk about the lime juicer mm. This was the magical game changer for everything is magical today. It's like it's sweet. really magical, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a tool that Layla told me about. Uh, Layla of our episode with Laylita. I think that was episode eight. Not sure. That sounds about right. Yeah. And I'll put a link in the show notes. You get so much more juice out of your lemons and limes than 
with the regular ye old squeezers or even those you know those things where it's got like a lid and you're you're pressing down on it so this has a, a lever that just makes the the weight it's kind of like a pulley makes it a lot easier mm-hmm. to carry your buckets of water or whatever it's like that i think there's magical physics behind it i think uh, so too i do have to say i'm generally skeptical of utensils and things where you can only use them for one thing but booty bought me this as a gift and i do use it (laughs) it's also very heavy i think it's very solid so if there's an intruder coming into your house i would grab this because if you hit him with it you're probably going to knock him out yeah you know i agree it's a good bludgeoning instrument excellent bludgeoning that's two uses yep there you go here's the sort of downside of it i think there's like a lime one a lemon one and an orange one and i gotta say and that seems excessive yeah Yeah. i i went with the lemon the middle size one so it's fine for limes and it's fine for small oranges. You, If you were going to do a bigger orange, you could still do it, but you just have to cut it up in smaller pieces. Okay. So anyway. No, that that is an excellent tool. And I remember when you gave it to me. I do use it, and I think of you every time I use it, that my sister is bringing me into the 20th century from my <laughs> colonial abode. <laughs> Because I probably would have squeezed the limes with my fingers. But yes, so get, if this is one thing that you treat yourself to, I would get one of those. And then you you have the syrup for the, and I don't know, how much does two cups of sugar? And it probably makes like about three cups. Yeah, I'd say that it is yeah. a lot. I mean, I filled up a whole water bottle and then had another cup. So I guess it would be about three cups. Yes. And I took a picture of it's approximate and to taste like some people probably like more ginger or more lime, but it's really nice to kind of make a big batch and then you have it ready for that moment when you want to make a ginger mint lime cocktail. I guess it's kind of like a Moscow mule, but Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think Moscow meals have mint. I think that's true. So for the cocktail proper, you put in one part of rum, one part of syrup, so equal parts of syrup, and then two parts ginger beer. And that gives it the nice fizz and kind of lightens it up. And then I usually put in the juice of either one small lime or half a bigger lime you use the lime squeezer there too. And then I drop the lime into it. And then we use the magical spherical ice spheres. So hard to say. Reprogram well, myself. And Bossy has a super special way to make the ice, which I can't do with my fancy refrigerator that makes ice spheres. I know. This is the one advantage of living in colonial America where you have the molds is you can put a little slice of lime or a little 
tiny mint leaf. I'll do a picture of this in the show notes into the ice cube and freeze it. And then you've got this really nice ice globe with a little bit of mint or lime in there. And then you keep it in bags. I actually do do that. I have made as well, and you can do this too with the round ones. If you like iced coffee in the summertime, you can freeze, put some coffee in an ice cube tray or the spheres, and you freeze that. And then once it's frozen, you add a layer of milk and freeze that. So you get these really cool half coffee, half milk, and then it's not watering down your your drink. I have done that too. And mm. that's kind of fun. And it does elicit comments. Like people are like, oh, well, where'd <laughs> you get those? You know, <laughs> but I, like, I had to laugh. I make them. <laughs> <laughs> when I had to laugh because I visited our sister on the Olympic Peninsula and our sister has a very tiny freezer, but she has ice spheres because mm-hmm. this for some reason had not occurred to me that if you have your molds, then you can freeze a couple of ice spheres and then put them in a Ziploc bag and freeze some more. So you have a big bag of ice sphere <laughs> and you don't need to feel like, Oh no, I've used my one. And now I know I didn't, I didn't want to say anything about that, but, but that, now that you've brought it up, I think I think it's coming from the privilege of having a refrigerator that makes those. <laughs> <laughs> because it's true. It is a process. It actually doesn't take as long as you can make ice cubes well, or like spheres having, overnight. Yeah, but you're having your cocktail at 7. You're not going to have it at 7 in the morning. So right. it might as well be 24 hours. Okay. You do. <laughs> You do have to plan ahead, though. It's true, especially if you're having company. Right. You know, that's that's a whole thing. So it's one part rum, one part syrup, two parts ginger beer. I mean, obviously to taste. Um, I usually garnish a little fresh mint in there with the spheres with a little bit of mint or lime in there. It's so good. The other thing that's really good about this is if you have friends that do not drink i know mm. who are they yeah, but <laughs> it does occasionally occur then this is a really good mocktail because that combination of the ginger beer with the simple syrup that's kind of spiced up and the mint you know it definitely makes you feel like you're having a cocktail the other thing that you can do that i like about this is You can mix up the syrup and the rum and you put it in a mason jar and then you bring a couple of cans of the ginger beer to a party with some fresh mint. And this this can be a hostess gift. And you can be like, I brought hooch because the (laughs) the mason jar is really important. I was going to say the ye old colonial mason jar. Yeah, you can have a little ribbon on there, some kind of plaid ribbon. <laughs> no, you you shouldn't even have that. 
because everybody knows if you've dressed it up like that, then it's like not real hooch, you know, <laughs> but it, at most, maybe a piece of twine. Oh, you know? yeah. There you go. Raffia. <laughs> Just, but immediately I brought this to parties and people are always like, oh, I want some of that. I want some of what's ever in that plain jar. Right. That's the best stuff. It always is the best stuff. Well, and I have to say, so my son recently turned 21. Mm. His loving sister, who's younger than him, mm. she wrote him a recipe for a cocktail. And I was going to read that. Drunk, burp, drunk, drunk, slurp, burp, joke about alcohol, a horse walks into a bar, I would talk about you being able to buy alcohol, but let's be realistic. The only time you drank alcohol was when your orange juice was fermented. So, <laughs> which was true. <laughs> so here's a non-alcoholic cocktail recipe I invented for you. One ounce non-fermented orange juice, two spoonfuls milk, warm, one pipette of essence of aquarium juice. He has an aquarium. <laughs> one measure ammonium-based cleaner. One sprinkle of bleach crystals. Serve in a chilled glass garnish with neon gravel pieces from aquarium. And my son's comment about this was, I feel like you got to the aquarium part and then you just went, everything was about the aquarium. It wasn't like... <laughs> That would actually kill me if I made that or. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so don't make that, that. Well, it's it's strange from both of them, I think. It's strange in different ways. I mean, it seems like she's trying to kill her brother. Yeah. And well, yet her normal. brother doesn't pick up on that <laughs> no. and sort of critiques the the, the sort of turn to the aquarium theme. Yes. Yeah. Critiques that, the comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be more varied in your comic approach. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that well, was. Well, I always like to say that all children are terrible. Right. But as they get older, I think they just get weird. And all children are weird. Yeah. Especially with each other. Yeah. Like us. But yeah, we're weird too. Yeah. I mean, they get, they come by it honestly. That's yeah. True. But no, the mason jar with the hooch is totally great. The other thing that this friend of mine, so we in colonial America where I live on this lake and sometimes the wind is just right and you can drive down to the lake is about a mile long and you can drive down to the other end and you can put your inner tubes in the lake and then if the wind is just right, it will push you back up to our road. Mm. And we call this the shampoo road, lazy river experience. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes the wind shifts. And then you have to <laughs> paddle. Well, except you don't, you don't have any paddles because you're just an inner tube. So you're just kind of using your hands. And then you've also had a cocktail. <laughs> so then you're like, oh God, we're gonna never get home, you know. <laughs> so that that can happen, but that's the fun thing about it is that when you think about everything in life, you're always walking the line with danger. It's like children's play. You know, the best play is when it's 
on the edge of danger. Like you could almost get hurt. Well, <laughs> you know? I, I have to say one of my fondest childhood memories was when we were in the Poconos. This was one of our family camping expeditions. I was in high school and I went with a very good friend of mine and our brother was there. There were three of us, but we only had two inner tubes. So we had one good inner tube and mm. we had one. So not only were there only two inner tubes, one had a leak in it. Mm. So you could blow it up and it would be okay for a while, but then it would slowly deflate. The other one, me and my friend could fit on, but if the water got it all shallow, then it was a no-go. So, so <laughs> our, our brother would go whizzing down this river because, you know, when it was inflated, he right. was, it was great. And he would go really fast down the river and then we would get stuck somewhere. But eventually he would have to reinflate his inner tube. We'd catch up with him and he'd be standing in the middle of the river going. <laughs> <laughs> and I also remember that my friend, she made the mistake of getting off the inner tube. And I was like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I had great yeah. memories. I don't know if they did, but. We have the inner tubes because now, and I'm sure they didn't have them back then, but we have the inner tubes with the cup holders. Oh, yeah. So what you do is you make your cocktail. You bring your, your hooch and you make your little cocktail. You leave everything in the car and you lock the keys in the car Ooh. because then you have to get another car to go down and pick it up. But then you have the lazy river experience with your cocktail. And this is the cocktail that I make for the lazy river experience mm. that sometimes ends up being the stranded in the middle of the lake. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time it's great. And if you have a big enough cocktail, then you don't really care anymore. Right. So so highly recommend. The other thing that I love about this, and I mentioned before that I live in colonial America. Our house was built in 1759. And when we first moved in, I noticed that there was all this mint planted around the foundation of our house. And I thought, this is so great. And then I learned that mint is actually kind of a natural deterrent for rodents and bugs, <laughs> that this really had nothing to do with growing mint for cocktails. Like I had this idea that how clever of them to plant mint around the house so that they never had to go very far <laughs> to harvest the mint <laughs> for the cocktails. This was not the case. It was completely and totally, and this mint was probably planted in 1760, you mm. know, and it's been living there the whole time. So this is why mint was planted around the foundations of colonial homes, because they knew that it would deter bugs and rodents. Did we name this heritage ginger mint? Mm. <laughs> colonial. Colonial. <laughs> Ginger, yeah. Ginger mint hooch. Ginger mint hooch in a mason jar. 
the other thing I learned, which is kind of the same principle, is that when you're putting your your woolens up for winter and kind of packing them away, one thing you can do is put some mint tea bags in, and that's a natural deterrent for which. And moths. I recently, well, and they say that about lavender too. That mm -hmm. you can do kind of lavender sachets. You can actually get lavender spray for your. And we recently had an ant problem and there's a mint spray to keep your ants away. Did so, it work? So far, so good. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So. No. So mint, it's good to drink in cocktails. It's good to sprinkle all over the foundation of your house. <laughs> it's good to hang up in your woolens. There's really no downside to having plenty of mint. Yes. Absolutely. Well, Booty, what, what, what are you knitting? Okay. So I wanted to talk a bit. I'm doing the four-day knit along with Marie Green. Every year in July, she has a four-day knit along. And she she started this originally because she just wanted to challenge herself hmm. to see if she could do it. It was 4th of July weekend. She thought, you know what? don't have anything planned this weekend. I'm just going to see if I can knock out a sweater in four days. Now, to be fair, this was a sweater. She was a pretty small size. I think she was like a 36 or something like that. And the cardigan, and it was basically open in the front. So it was mm. more like three quarters of a sweater. And then I think maybe three quarters sleeves. I'm not sure about that. But okay. so she did it and somebody said, you should make that a knit along. And so, mm. so that was seven years ago, or I think this is the seventh year. And they're just really fun because you don't have to knit the sweater in four days. It's really more like a month. And or you could take two years like I did. <laughs> it's like you did right with the box yeah. cart. But they are really fun sweaters to, and generally speaking, they are a faster knit than, well, that Bretzel, that, that was definitely a big project. So um, the uh, pattern doesn't come out until the end of June. So I am swatching. Mm. Interesting thing about this year's sweater is that it's not a wool sweater. It's plant-based. So speaking of... Oh. So I wonder Ooh. if somebody could make Does it have mint in it? Mint. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But so I have swatched now with uh, with three different yarns. And I wanted to talk a little bit about swatching because swatching is kind of the stepsister or stepchild of knitting that you mm. it gets about I have to say no like swatch a lot of people feel the same way because this is keeping you from casting yeah. on your your fun super fun I project want to start go right into it yeah and and i think the problem with swatching is that essentially this is like the ice cube problem mm. you have to wait a whole day because not only do you have to knit your swatch then you have to wash it and dry it and that's Ugh. essentially an overnight. Somebody said recently, I'm not 100% sold on this, but, <laughs> that, and I don't remember where I heard it, but that you think of this as a yarn tasting. 
if this is a yarn mm -hmm. you've never worked with before, okay. this is your opportunity to kind of date before you make a commitment to that yarn for a whole sweater project. Uh, see, I liked when you were talking about it as a tasting because then I was thinking of wine. But then it suddenly went to the uh, mixed commitment. metaphor. Okay. So <laughs> this is a yarn date. I don't think that's as exciting as a yarn tasting. Okay. So this is your yarn tasting to see whether you want to buy a whole case of that yarn. Mm, okay. I like that better. Yep. Of that yarn wine. And so I just think, you know, like we're married, you know, so we're not going out on dates yes, but true. we are buying entire cases of wine <laughs> i don't think i've ever bought a case of wine why is that <laughs> i know that's a shortcoming right there <laughs> but anyway but anyway the ones that she recommends are at least a 50 natural fiber so okay. i have this one which is a there's one it's by the the yarn pirate treasure goddess the yarn pirate Mm -hmm. And she has it as um, holding one strand of a linen blend yarn and another strand, a uh, lace weight of another yarn. So you get a nice modeled effect with that one. And it's really drapey and nice. And then I have this one, which is actually what you knit mom's vest, sweater vest in for Christmas. The oh, okay. Zooey. Yeah. And then I have a Malabrigo Sisura, which is has some linen in it and silk. So anyway, it was interesting to do all these swatches. A couple things I recommend. One is that when you're done swatching, you do little knots in your tail so that you can tell what size needle you swatched with. So like if it's a oh, size. That's a good idea. Then you yes. have four knots. I'll show a picture on the show notes. The other thing, and I, I actually did not do any garter rigid garter on the edges or anything. I just knit for four inches. So I cast on about 30 stitches. Okay. So if you are swatching and you're supposed to get, let's say 20 stitches to four inches, don't cast mm -hmm. on 20 stitches because that's not enough. You need to cast on like 30 so you know okay. you're measuring just the middle you're not measuring on the edges oh okay that makes sense yeah and then you want to knit for about four or five inches so again so you're getting kind of a good sample in the middle middle yeah in terms of washing it i usually just put in a bowl of water I mean, you could put a little fabric wash in there i feel like i'm not gonna bother with that for a little swatch but mm. You are supposed to wash it however you would normally treat the sweater you're going to make. So if you would okay. machine wash it, then you should machine wash your swatch and dry it. If you are going to dry it in the dryer, which I would not recommend, then you should do that with your swatch. See how it comes. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like it could get lost in there. Yeah. In the, in the dryer. It, in the dryer. You'll never see it again. Oh, yeah. You'll never see it again. Right. I mean, I'm assuming you're doing, you're drying it with other stuff too, but at any rate, you want to make sure it's dry completely. And then the last thing was this little tool here, which mm. is, it's like a measuring 
tool what did I that also has a magnifying glass. It's called the Easy PZ oh. gauge drawer. And you can get it at Jimmy Beans. And it's by Crazy Cat Designs. So is are those the same people that make sausages? Jimmy Beans? I feel I, like they make Jimmy, sausages. Jimmy Beans. Oh beans. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy D. It's like it's all about the wine. And that's what did you say? Sausage. Cake. <laughs> hey? I, I feel like I'm like grandma. The, you know, did somebody say cake? <laughs> Grandmother. Anytime anybody would say anything, she thought they said, "Did you say cake? Is yeah. there cake? Is there anybody cake? Ice." still remember um doug's grandfather at his like 90th birthday party and somebody said does anybody want some more cake and one of his friends said sure i'll have another drink he said, <laughs> oh, i didn't know if you want another drink i asked you if you wanted cake <laughs> well what we, oh, we hear what we want to hear <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but yeah. yeah, so that's my little lecture on swatching. And I, I'm okay. So the jury's still out. Bossy, what do you think? Which hmm. one of these? And She's I'll... holding up sort of a light blue and then like a variegated sort of pinky blue and then a darker sort of purpley bluish. Yeah. Yeah. I might make more than one. I'll put these in the show notes. I think if it's going to be a summer and it's sort of a lighter weight, I think the, the light blue. Yeah. And it's got this really nice sort of textured, like Tweety almost. Well, um, modeled. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and guess who else voted for that one? Hmm. My daughter. Oh, we agree on something? On because usually on a color? <laughs> because usually Aunt Bossy is... Yeah. Saying, well, is that you? Do you really think the orange is the best? <laughs> so opinionated. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think that's probably the one I'll go with. Yeah. So that's exciting. Now, Bossy, what mm. is the update on Mom's Constellation Hedgehog? I am happy to report that we really should get some. Better. I like the home. <laughs> I was just thinking, I like our homemade trumpet. <laughs> so Holly the Hedgehog from Louise Crowther's Knitted Animal Friends. You remember that in our last episode, she was blind, naked, and afraid. She now has eyes. And can I tell you how hard it is to sew buttons on? I, I, I must have done this two or three times. Before I decided what the right distance was, mm. she looked initially, the buttons were too close together, and she she looked a little bit like a possum. Mm. And then they were too wide apart, and it looked like she had some kind of issue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was. But, you know. Pray. But, <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that's really hard that they don't tell you is the embroidery so i had to embroider her nose and the first time i did it i did it several times then i was like oh my god i can't even believe this it came out kind of like a beak so she was like a possum that mated with a bird 
and they had a beak. <laughs> it's a rare creature. It was a rare creature. And yes, magical. and I won't. Magical. <laughs> rare, magical. Yes. And I wanted to get it right because it's mom's consolation hedgehog. So I think I did pretty well. And then happy with the dress and the color, you knit the sort of bottom edge back and forth. So you knit this about one inch wide and maybe about 18 or 20 inches long, like a leaf pattern. I, I had never really knitted something like that. And then you pick up the stitches and I did the orange, the Bahama mm -hmm. Mama. Bahama Mama. And then Booty had suggested to me a pocket. And so the, the top sort of pinafore area is kind of green. And then I did the pocket in the Bahama Mama. So, oh, my God. I had to do it like two times. First, the pocket was too small. And I couldn't get it centered. And then it was really obvious because it's a different color. And the whole time I'm having this internal narrative of, I can't believe the amount of time I'm spending on this hedgehog's eyes and nose <laughs> and the pocket <laughs> on a pinafore and I'm like but but I really want it to be perfect so cute but the other thing the, in the original pattern the straps which are the a little button on each side on the sort of pinafore they crisscross across the back but this would have covered up all of the quills remember we discussed the fact that each quill is 10 stitches. I think it's eight. You're just, you just. It's eight. <laughs> it felt like 10. It might have been eight, yeah. but I was rounding up because it felt like 10. And as we know, feelings are very important. Yeah, when you're doing math. When you're doing math, <laughs> feelings. So I decided to do sort of a halter top so that you could fully appreciate her quills. It's so cute. Yes. And then I did the shoes. And the whole time that I'm doing the shoes, I'm thinking, well, if she ever walks in these, she's probably going to have blisters. And then I'm thinking, why do I have these thoughts? This is a stuffed animal. She's not walking in these shoes. But yet, I want these to be comfortable. <laughs> well, I remember when you were making all these outfits for, I think it was for my wedding, for the, the bears that we were giving to mm. the flower girls. And you said, it's a good thing that teddy bears don't complain. Yes. Tight fitting. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and then I wanted the shoes. So they've got a white sole within the the body part is is the green which you know ties to the dress and then the edging around it is is the bahama mama orange which we discussed in our last episode mm -hmm. so i thought that was a really great idea except that when you use multiple colors guess what happens you have all these ends to weave in Oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. So wow. this little shoe, three colors, right? Six so ends. that's six ends and there's hardly anything to weave it into because they're tiny little hedgehog shoes. 
I did like, though, the way that she constructed the shoes. Mm. I, I thought that worked. You knit the sole first and then the edge of the sole to kind of create this sort of edge. Mm. You basically take a stitch and then pull down to three stitches below it. And that creates uh, okay. a sort of ridge. edge ridge there. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit fussy, but it works really well, I think, for the effect of it, that it really does look like the sole of a shoe. Right. I agree. And that, but well, I did have a lot of absurd thoughts as I was knitting it. <laughs> and then somebody said to me, oh, are those decorative buttons? And then I was like, oh, no, no. And I unbuttoned it. <laughs> like who cares but i have i had this idea that well what if mom wants to take the shoes off right you know then yeah, yeah it's important to be able to because she's still a child you know and she <laughs> might want to switch out the shoes. maybe maybe holly the hedgehog wants to go barefoot one day right that could happen exactly well i think that for sure i mean you need extra shoes because you need some for <laughs> the summer shoes, the horseback <laughs> riding shoes, the sneakers. Yeah. Yeah. Out no. on the town. Out on the town. Yeah. I mean, like, what what am I thinking here? The other thing that I discovered that I do all the time, and this is just the ongoing list of things that irritate me even about myself. <laughs> You know, it's bad when you irritate yourself is that I don't really follow directions very well. I mean, I read the directions and then I think, oh, okay, I understand that. And then I don't look at them again. And then I'm like, well, that doesn't look like the picture. And then I realize, like I've missed an entire line of right. the instructions. And so then I had to rip it out. And then I tried to cheat a little bit, sew it around. And then I was like, well, that looks like I cheated. That doesn't look <laughs> like the picture. And yeah. I swear it's those one one little lines where it says switch to larger needle. That oh, I always miss that. It's yeah. so easy to miss, and then your sweater is two sizes too small. <laughs> like <laughs> I cast on for this sweater that it was 117 stitches, so that's not so bad. That's only yeah. half of the sweater. You're not supposed to count your stitches, but okay. Right. It was yeah. 117 stitches. I cast on three times because I missed where it said it was a special kind of cast on and you had to go down two needle sizes. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about with missing. Yeah. So I ended up, I like did the top part and then I, it didn't look great and I tried to cheat. But the only good thing, I mean, we've talked about this before that, you know, you, you knit one shoe or one glove or one sock and, and then you got, you're only halfway done. So I knitted the other one and I actually did it correctly. And then I was like, oh God, now I got to, I got to take the other one out because now it doesn't match because I did it correctly the second time. And you put her feet together <laughs> They don't match. And then you click the heels and say, Right. Take me back to Kansas. Yes. Yeah. But, but it anyway. Looks beautiful. I think I can't wait for mom to get it. Well, and now I'm working on the panties. And, and I'll save my update for the Hawthorne horse for next time. Mm, okay. 
So I think we can conclude that tis the season for cocktails and mint and the magical properties of mint, the magic of actually <laughs> reading. <laughs> I, I want, I know this probably won't happen for this episode, but I want a picture of you in the rafting of <laughs> your mason jar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the great thing about that is that you have to do it very spur of the moment because it just depends on the wind, you mm. know, so you, you take the dog for a walk and then you, you, you lick your finger and you hold it up and you say, yes, the wind is right. <laughs> Today's and then you have to run back to the house and quick. And it's, it's perfect because you've already got your simple syrup. Right. So very important. You're set. You can just yeah. get out there. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, but, thanks so much for listening. Yes. And check out the show notes at bootyandbossy.com where you get more information and pictures of all these wonderful things. Mm-hmm. And please feel free to contact us at bootyandbossy at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. What are your cocktails, summer cocktails? Mm. Yes. And I think it's time to say whatever you do. Don't, Don't knit like, like my, my sister. sister.